Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Tonight, my co-host is Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how are you? Who's your co-host? <laughs> Here's of us today. It's you. It's Jeremy Dunn. Yay! It's you. I'm good. How are Jeremy. you? Great, great. I'm I'm doing well. Did had you a have a good week. Thanksgiving? Yes, and you? I had a great Thanksgiving. I cooked. I cooked everything. Oh, wow. Everything. How did that turn out? It, it it was right out of the magazine. I, I have to tell you, it was beautiful. I've never seen a turkey that looked that pretty and tasted that good. <laughs> it was it was awesome, and it That's just I, I baked bread even. Was it the first time that you did Thanksgiving dinner? Um, well, it's the first time that I've done it here for Mark's family. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yes, the first time. Well, cool. I'm glad it all worked out for you. Yeah, it really did. I mean, I was in that kitchen for, um, what was it, 10 hours total. Wow. Yeah, I have a one-man kitchen, so I can't get a lot of help. So I kept kicking people out. It's like, you guys have to leave. You can sit on the other side of the bar, but you can't be back here with me. <laughs> Go away. That's funny because that's, uh, that's what Joe does when he's in the kitchen. He doesn't like anyone in the kitchen with him at all. He needs his space to cook. Exactly because, you know, I, I have a, you, you've got this process and you've got things where you know where they're at. And then somebody says, oh, can I come in and help you? And then they stand right behind you. It's like, <laughs> you know what, if you don't move, you're going to be in the meal. Oh, I'm sure he's loving this right now. That's so funny. And it's true, Joe, if you're listening to this right now, which I'm sure you are, I understand and I know your pain. I do. <laughs> when you're trying to get something done and you're doing it, everybody else just needs to stay out of the way. I know how that is. I know how it works. There's a triangle there, you see, right? You know, you get your triangle, your sink, your refrigerator, and the stove. Do not mm-hmm. step inside that triangle. You're not allowed. No one is. <laughs> so, yep, I'm with you. I'm I'm, oh, I'm with Joe so on funny. this one. Sorry, Robert. I'm with Joe. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Usually, the people that are in the kitchen feel that way, you know. Yeah. It, but my family always grew up that we always picked at the food while it was being prepared. Oh. I would <laughs> so, be chopping your fingers off. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would be chopping your hands and fingers off, and then we'd have yeah. a Donner party Thanksgiving. <laughs> The men in my family would sneak into the kitchen and try to talk to the ladies as they would be grabbing, like, the turkey, um, you know, a piece of the chicken or something. It's just, you know, it's just the way that it, it was kind of funny uh, growing well, up and seeing you know, that, and now I do uh, it. All, all it takes is you to eat a piece of raw, raw fowl just once. Oh, I won't eat it raw. Well, you will <laughs> never know. You see how that works? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will keep bad things in your reach. <laughs> like I, I'll well, take some turkey and you know, and I'll and I'll just roll it in jalapeno, and put it over. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be in it then. You would never know. You would pick it up and put it in your mouth before you even knew it. Probably. Would, and then probably you would, would never come back in the kitchen. <laughs> That's a good plan. Because Hopefully I have a booby trap. Joe, are you listening? Write this down. <laughs> booby trap the food and they won't ever come back. <laughs> anyway, so what, oh, what's going fun. on? What are we doing tonight? So tonight, well, first, if you're listening for the first time, thanks for tuning in. Um, let's, I just want to give people a recap and let people know what the show is all about in case you have some first-time listeners with our, our guest, Ryan Dixon, this evening. Um, Positive Radio Show is an Internet radio show that we host every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and we try to offer people living with HIV hope 
by encouraging our guests to share their personal stories and their struggles, you know, with our audience. So we welcome you all to come. If you're interested in learning more about the show, you can go to pauseim.com for information there, and you can even join our social network uh, for people living with HIV and AIDS. Um, but tonight we're going to speak with a former porn star. His name is Ryan Dixon. Um, he was diagnosed HIV positive in December of 2008. He's actually coming up on his two-year anniversary, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> and he is actually on the line, so we're going to bring him on, and we're going to talk about um, his his retirement because after being diagnosed HIV positive, he uh, you know had the need to he felt the need to retire. So we're going to talk about that process and what it was like for him. Um, and, and what he's doing now because he's kind of, um, you know, I don't, don't think he's very much involved in the porn industry at all anymore, but he's doing a lot of work with young gay youth and, and talking to them about the dangers of unsafe sex and putting the face of somebody your own age out there talking to you. You seem to get the respect of um, the young people. So I, I applaud this guy for going out and doing this. Uh, when a lot of people, you know, may not find it something positive because he was a, a porn star and they may find it out of place. So please help me welcome Ryan Dixon to the show. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Ryan. Good. Good. How, how are you? I'm doing uh, okay. I'm a little little tired. I just spent six hours dancing my ass off on Miami Beach. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see like, your no ass there? Literally, I am in the car on the way back to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> oh, but somebody else and, is driving. I'm, I'm not driving. Oh, oh good. <laughs> All of a sudden, I, I picture, well, now I really do picture this. Florida, you in the passenger seat. Your grandmother's not driving, is she? No, Damien's not my grandmother. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Okay. Because, because I know that grandmas and grandpas like to drive kind of wildly down there in Florida. Well, the thing is, though, is you see a lot, there's, we have a lot of people. Um, well, tonight I met a lot of uh, people from you know, out of the country or out of state. So we get a lot of crazy people driving around here. That's even worse than Floridians. And we had rain earlier, and people in Florida are the worst when it rains. They cannot drive. I mean, you live in a tropical city. It rains all the time. You figure they'd learn. No, they don't. No, no, they don't learn. Yeah. Well, we appreciate so, you taking time out of your ride home to talk with us this evening. <laughs> no, I did. I even was, like, telling I was man- I was managing – I was actually managing the dancers that were there. Tonight. I was managing uh, about five guys. From Fab Scout, we had about five porn stars dancing tonight. So um, Howard from Fab Scout called me up and he was like, "Hey, can you go down there and manage them and make sure that they're, you know, up and doing what they're supposed to, and you know, taking care of, make sure everything's taken care of?" And I said, "Sure." So I had to, you know, walk around all night and pull uh, drunk people off the boxes the boys were on and make sure that they had water and stuff like that. And oh, tough job, tough job. I know, but I was rushing. I was like, "Fuck!" I, I, I even asked permission. So can we pull the guys down like a you know, we were supposed to be still dancing till nine, and I, I said, "Can we? Uh, can I pull them down like at eight forty-five so we can go?" I, said, I got, I got something to do. And he's like, "Yeah." So I got him out of there in time. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Instead of everyone listening, um, you know, one of the reasons we wanted you to come on was to, uh, you know, share your story of being newly diagnosed about two years ago, and. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we tweeted that we were looking for a last-minute guest, so I really appreciate it because this was really, like, last minute. Uh, we had a week to kind of get it all together. So, um, you know, thank you so much for doing this, the interview with us. But can you kind of walk us through the day you were diagnosed and kind of what that process was for you? Because it's different for everyone, so I'd like for you to share yours. Yeah. Uh, see, I had, I had left Florida. I had, moved, I, I had moved to Florida after I graduated college in 2008. Um, and I got here, then I met a guy online, actually, from Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, he had he traveled a lot for business, so he was here one time, and we hung out. And then, you know, I flew to Nashville to see him. So over the span of, like, four months, you know, this relationship grew and grew. And I, I made the leap, like, you know, half of the lesbians in America do, and I moved in with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I left Fort Lauderdale and I moved to Nashville. And... Uh, you know, he was really cool about me still working in the industry. So um, after I had moved to Nashville, I was actually going to be flying back to Fort Lauderdale. Um, I moved on December 6th, and I was going to be flying back to Fort Lauderdale on the 16th to do an appearance um, for CircleJerkBoys.com and also to do some more filming because I had just signed an exclusive contract with a brand-new studio. Um, so they were making me, like, their the poster book, this new website, and... 
So I was going to be flying back to film with them and things like that. And uh, I had gotten there's a there's a, a, a company that's called uh, AIM, which is Adult Industry Medical. They're really big in California. We have one here in Florida, and they do all the testing for all the studios um, right. across the board. So we didn't have one in Nashville, so I had to go get it done uh, through uh, a really good organization. Actually, it's online. Uh, people can look it up. It's called About My Health. Dot com, um, and what they do is they set you up with a, a, a company in your area that will do this uh, test. It's called a DNA PCR test. Um, you know, it's not yet approved by the FDA, but it is like you know, it's a test that we use for porn. Um, right. So because it, it doesn't look for antibodies, it actually tests your DNA. So it can it can diagnose you within two weeks. So. Um, okay. So that's who I go through to get it done for, and um, yeah, I got it. I got it pulled on. I got the blood drawn on December 13th, and then I called to get my results on December 15th, and they told me uh, it come back positive. Um, and uh, I remember I was on the phone with people, and they told me, and I, I hung up the phone, and you know, my my boyfriend he walks up and he says, "So what's up?" And I couldn't even say it, so I had like my a notepad by the computer and by the phone and uh I wrote it down and I wrote HIV and a plus sign on that pad and uh it, it didn't it didn't really sink in you know for a minute or actually for a few days I remember I didn't shed a tear until like 3 days later and I just broke down at home <laughs> um but yeah I mean it was it was really really somber you know you you think about it you know, you know it's a risk. You know it's out there. You know whether you're doing porn or not doing porn. You know it's out there, but you never think it can happen to you. Like I, I had um, never had a friend who I knew was positive. You know I might have, and no one, you know, never said anything to me. Um, so I felt kind of hurt that you know somebody I had been with knew, you know, that I hooked up with. I knew that right. you know didn't tell me. Um, and uh, it, it it took it took a good that, that and that's why I quit porn. I I thought that you know nobody would hire me anymore. I thought I was done. You know I just signed this contract that guaranteed me you know, pretty good money for next year. And um, the first person I called and told was my my former agent. Um, you know I said it, but my Pardon? Ryan, at the time of your diagnosis, you were involved in porn for how long? Uh, two years, I'd, a year and a half? Yeah, it started in 2007. Yeah, Easter, Easter, Easter of 2007 was when I started. Okay. So you were, yeah. you know, you were in there, and then I, I believe reading somewhere in an article that I read on the sword.com that you, uh, uh, you were just doing this, like you were just coming to like make a name for yourself and like. In 2009 is kind of when you were starting to hit it big. So well, no, call it. Yeah. Well, in 2008, yeah. Um, 2008 was when I was really starting right. to make my push. You know, I, when I moved to Florida, I met my agent, and then all of a sudden I had somebody like sending my pictures out every week to different studios. You know, I was filming like three or four times a month. Um, you know, I went from doing this no-name, you know, Twink Studios. Well, I mean, they, one of them is a pretty good studio. Then I went and worked with this other studio. So I was just doing these small little companies on my own, and then all of a sudden I'm booking Falcon. Um, I booked Titan. You know, I did a Titan. I did my, I did a movie for Titan called Playbook. I'm um, actually Diesel Washington and I. That was my scene partner, Diesel Washington. We were nominated at the Grabby Awards this year for best uh, best duo. Um, so I I was all of a sudden going to where I was, you know, having to call studios you know, like every month and see if they wanted me to work. To where I was having to turn work down because I was doing so much. Right. So I was really starting to get out there. I was getting a fan base. I was starting to do appearances. Um, you know, I had I actually had the best of both worlds because I had my agent and then the other agent that you know primarily works in the business with that Howard over at Fastcott. Howard was booking me for things. You know, Howard booked me a lot. I did I did a uh, two scenes for you know I did Jet Set Live. I did their live show. Um, Howard booked me my. Uh, my stuff with uh, with Chichi Larue and and I worked with Doug Jeffries for All World, so you know I had a I had a lot a lot lot going for me, 
and then um you know kind of all that the rug just got pulled from out underneath my feet all at once. And you said that the first person that you called was your agent. Um, what yeah. Was the response? Um. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know. He was really quiet on the phone. Um, him and I really don't get along much anymore. Uh, you realize people's true nature and their true intentions once you stop making them money. <laughs> right. You know, I can. I think I can honestly say, you know, because of the work that I did and what he made off of the booking fees from me and from what I paid him in commissions, that I, I kept the lights on in the house. You know, I kept the uh, I kept the rent paid. So, I think once I quit making money, people quit caring, and I kind of felt a little shunned. Um, you know, when I met him, when I saw him for like the first time, you know, like a year or so ago, it had been a year since it happened, you know, his boyfriend was like, oh, you know, I, when I, when I heard, I cried and I was like, I don't really feel that from you guys because I never got a phone call, never got a text from them saying, how are you? You know, the one person who really had my back through all of it, because my boyfriend really didn't either. The guy I was dating, you know, we ended up breaking up because of it because, you know, he couldn't handle it. Um, you know, Howard, he was really, really there for me. Um, even when I was being stupid and texting him and calling him saying, you know, I think I caught it from somebody on set and I wanted to, oh, I mean, I had like a lawyer I was raised. I wanted to see if I could sue. I wanted to put the blame off on everybody else. And then, you know, Howard gave me like tough love and told me, you know, to shut up and suck it up because, you know, somebody may have hurt me and somebody, you know, uh, lied to me, but, you know, I ultimately made the decision on my own for what happened. And so through Howard and six months of, of a good therapist, you know, it took me that long to be able to come to, to quit blaming somebody else and to accept what's happened to me and, and try to use it as a gift now. Um, it's taken, it took that long, but now two years later, I'm finally able to use this in, in, in something good and to help people. So, so Ryan, this is Jeremy. Hi. And I know you, <laughs> hi. You and I ha- we haven't talked yet, but I've heard all about you. I've read a couple of your I've read a couple of articles about you. I even googled your name. That's great. I love Google. <laughs> yeah, and I and I spent a little longer than I should have on a couple of, you know. Oh yeah. Of the, but of I the love link. it. I do it. I do it all the time too. I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, it's it's great. Um, so. So you you get this diagnosis, and first I want to back up a little bit, okay? Because because I almost dropped the phone, um, and and I know there was some there was some reaction actually in in the chat room. They told you over the phone. Yeah, I um I called and well because the, the the company that I did it through about my health, they send you to LabCorp to get the tests and everything done, and then they actually give it to you at a, at a discounted price. Um, you know, if you have insurance, your insurance may cover it, but I was paying out of pocket and that test market value for that test is around seven, six to $700. Yep. Um, I got it done. Wow. Some guy just ran through a barrier to switch lanes. I'm sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they actually give it to you at a cheaper cost. So it was only like $200 for me to get the test done, which I know some people may sound a lot, but for that type of test, it's a pretty good deal. Um, and, you know, you can go get it done, but About My Health won't give you your results until you pay. <laughs> so I called in, I paid, and I got my results over the phone. And then they actually they, they, um, they emailed me a copy of my test, too, so it wasn't just like in my head. Or, they you know, it wasn't just like they were just saying things. You know, they, they even – I said, do I have to go get retested? And they said, no, you know, we've, we've already ran the, the data twice. And he said so. so. So did they ever at all – ask you to come in and talk to them? No, I had, um, I went and used, uh, I, I went online and looked up, you know, HIV AIDS resources, you know, Nashville on Google. And um, I found, a, I found a group there called uh, Nashville Cares, which is a Nashville Comprehensive uh, AIDS Research and Education or something. I forget the whole acronym. Um, but uh, they were really good because the weird part is actually my boyfriend and I went and got the oral swab like a couple of days before, you know, I went and got the blood test. Just in case the blood test didn't come back in time, I at least had the the swab test to say I was negative. 
Um, which it did. The, you know, the mouth swab did come back and say I was negative, but the blood test said I was positive. But um, those people helped me out really well. Um, I think about my help did say, you know, they were gonna they would look up and find resources for me. But as, by the time they called me back, you know, a couple of days later, I had found it on my own. Went back in, um, got set up with a caseworker. They got me to a doctor. So uh, I was well taken care of by people in the community, but not really, you know, people close at home, friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, the people that are, I mean, essentially paid to care, they did. But mm-hmm. it was all genuine. Nothing nothing was disingenuous from those people at National Cares at all. I love them to death. I still keep in contact with them. Um, so, yeah. So what about... What about your boyfriend at the time? Because obviously he, you're not in Nashville now. You're you're no. back in Florida. So, yes. so so what happened there? Did was was the diagnosis the the reason he, um, why you guys split up or Well he uh I mean this was this came like right when I moved to Nashville. So we had been dating long distance for a couple months already. Um so when this happened, he actually, you know, went into the bathroom and got sick. Um, but he didn't really have anything to worry about, I, I didn't think, because I had always, if I was in a relationship with somebody, I would always be safe because I never wanted to take anything to set and I never wanted to bring anything home from set. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it upset him and bothered him more than it did me. Uh, so he, he actually never bottomed for me. For the six months after we were dating, I mean, he he would he would top whenever he wanted, but um, you know, he never. I guess he was too scared to do that, and uh, he would travel a lot for business, and I would go with him on some trips like to New York, Las Vegas, or you know, L.A. And uh, he would go online, and I guess he felt bad for me, so he would go online and you know find a trick and bring him over, and he's like, yeah, I just want my boyfriend to fuck you. So. That's what he did. So that was our relationship was kind of, I, I thought it was a little rocky. And uh, I went away to visit my mother for Mother's Day in May of 2009. And I came home a day early to surprise him. And I walk in and he was sleeping with somebody else. Uh, so that's when I realized that it really wasn't going to work. And then um, I packed I packed everything up and I moved back. I moved to Virginia, back to Virginia, actually. Uh, got a job working game day operations for one of the hockey teams, for the hockey team in our hometown, my hometown. So uh, I was in Virginia until I moved back to Florida in May. So, and uh, my ex and I, we don't talk at all. Um, you know, it's, it really it really hurt. I guess he, he said he wasn't, um, his words to me, he wasn't mentally mature enough to handle it. So, But he didn't know how to tell me. Sorry. But if he's listening right now, no shit. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oops. I know. I just let that slip out. Oh God. He's. I don't think he's mature enough to handle much. So. No. Um, but I'm not here to analyze him. We're here to analyze you. So let's keep going. Um, <laughs> my God. Anyway, okay. So we we get through this portion of your life. You get to Virginia. And now you're back in South Florida. And so what are you doing now after well, this whirlwind? My move my move to South Florida was kind of unexpected. Um, I was living with my – I moved back in with my parents and I got back to Virginia so I could save money because um, I don't know how or why, but market the market value for houses in Virginia skyrocketed. <laughs> and, you know, so is rent. And I was um, I was just working game days for this team, so I was only making I wasn't making enough to live in my own in downtown Norfolk. So I moved in with my parents, um, you know, helped them out with rent and bills, so I could save up and then you know get my own place. And uh, which was killer on my love life, or not my love life. It was killer on my social life and my sex life. Um, but I, I found my ways. But I I was for <laughs> we I, all I forced, do. I know. I was forced to I was literally forced to move back to Fort Lauderdale because uh I was you know, saying I had to go to work but it was an off day but I was actually going into downtown Norfolk to go see my doctor. Um and uh they had they'd screwed up one time and instead of uh because it it was a hospital I'd been to since when I was a kid. 
So apparently I had gone to this hospital when I was like 19 or 17 or something. And uh, when I went again to have them, you know, be my HIV specialist, uh, they didn't update their records in time when the insurance information went through. So instead of sending my stuff off to Ryan White to pay for it, they sent the bill to my house. And uh, my dad, my dad gets this bill for like four grand, and he's wondering what's this for. And he tried calling to pay. My dad was trying to be nice, actually, and tried to pay. Was trying to pay my hospital bill. And um, they told him that they couldn't give him the information because they see that they made a mistake, and that I was, you know, I should be the personal responsibility since I'm of age now. And uh, I don't know why they did, but they had my doctor's name on the bill. And through the great wonders of Google, <laughs> my dad googled my he googled my doctor's name and saw that she worked for the the uh, infectious uh, infectious care clinic um, uh, for Eastern Virginia Medical School, and he confronted me about it. And uh, I was actually on uh, workman's comp. I was out of work for a few weeks because I worked for a hockey team, and I slipped and fell on the ice, and I busted my knee. <laughs> so. Uh, I was out of work, and he said, as soon as the doctor clears you to go back to work, I want you out of my house. Um, so I had to make some decisions really quick, and I called my really good friend, Bob uh, Bob Cascometti in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, I said, um, I don't want to give you any details right now, but I said, I'm, I'm, i am i got to come back to Florida. Can I crash with you? And Bob graciously, you know, no questions asked. He said, sure. He said, just let me know when you get here, and, you know, you can come stay with me for as long as you need so um, wow. that was why I had to come back. So, yeah. so um, what made you want to come out publicly about your status and, and why you retired? Well, the reason I did it is um, before I came out with my status, another, another porn star uh, named Mason Weiler, uh, another model, I use that word loosely, uh, name <laughs> was, I think his name was Porter Westcott, I believe. He went on a – Twitter's great for things, but Twitter's dangerous. And he went on a Twitter rant and, you know, outed Mason with his status because he used to live with Mason. So he outed, him, he outed his status. And uh, then um, one of the porn gossip sites took it and ran with it like it was the gospel truth. And it kind of played Mason's hand a little bit, and he finally was like, fine, you know what, just so you people will quit talking about it, he said, I'm, I'm HIV positive. And then people kind of – barraged him and it was you know because he's notorious for you know he's a whore I mean he is and he'll tell you himself so I don't mind saying it he is a complete he's dirty he just loves to get down with anybody anytime anywhere and um, so they were kind of blaming it on that and and making him out to be this person that I didn't think he really was like, I had just got to spend an entire week with him and his boyfriend in Houston. We hung out. We went to Dallas for this computer convention. I mean, I tried to buy dinner or drinks, and they were like, no, we have it. I mean, they were really, really sweet people. But I didn't think he deserved it. And um, the guy who did the, the interview, Zach, over at The Sword, um, I had been talking to him for actually over a year about me. Like, he was, like, taking notes. You're talking about me coming out publicly for a long time. Um, and so when it happened to Mason, I, I didn't. I felt. I told him. I said, I want to do this now. I don't think that he should feel like he's the only one. And I think that's how people looked at him. And I didn't realize how many people and they don't know. Like you, you know, the tough thing you don't see that on the camera. You know, you don't. They don't talk about it. Um, it's like an un, it's an unwritten rule, you know. Right. Um, and it's really it's really really taboo. Um, so I felt that he deserved to know that somebody had his back. And that other people needed that the people that were, you know, talking shit about him needed to understand that, you know, he's not the only one, and that you really need to watch what you say about people. And it was none of their business in the first place to do what they did. I mean, it violated so many laws. They, but now that they've taken the posts down, but they can't correct that the damage they've done. Um, right. You know, he didn't deserve to have what happened to him happen. Um, I think it has forced Mason, I've talked to him, it has forced him to accept it, um, you know, and, and, and live his life a little better and be a little more careful. Um, but, you know, I, I just wanted to let him know that somebody had his back. And that's why I didn't do it for the press, and I made sure I put that in my interview. I, I wasn't doing it 
you know, studios came out in support of Mason. They were like, you know, we have his back. We'll be glad to book him. His old studio was like, we'll renew his contract. And I made sure I put it in there that, you know, I had walked away from porn, you know, a long time ago. And I just wanted to say that, you know, I wasn't doing this to try to get back into it. And then Zach said, well, would you want to get back into it? And I said, sure. I mean, once you do it, you know, you're you're stuck. You're kind of like stuck with it, you know. And I said, if, you know, if anybody calls me up and says, hey, we want to film you, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to actively search for work. Um, and I right. wanted to make sure that that was my key thing of putting in that article, that it wasn't for press. Um, you know, uh, I, I you guys are the second people I've talked to. I talked to Terry Legrand on his radio show in Los Angeles. And you know, he contacted me, and, you know, I said, I just want to let him know. I said, I'm not doing this because I want to I want my, I want to be out there. I said, that's not my intentions at all. I just wanted people to know that um, that it's not just him, that there are more people inside this business that are and that, you know, that we're not all, you know, self-proclaimed okay. sluts like Mason is. <laughs> Right. Well, one, one of the things that we talk a lot um, on the show is is the stigma and, you know, how people with HIV are always stigmatized. Um, and I'm sure, you know, being somebody who was involved with porn, um, there's even more stigma to that, you know, with people thinking, oh, well, you were a porn star, what did you expect, you know, and things like that. How safe is it on the sets when you guys are doing these things? Because I remember reading something about a non-testing scene. Can you kind of explain that to us, how it works? Um. I had been offered uh, when I was in Nashville. Actually, Howard called me up and said, "Hey, we have a scene um, for you for Cocky Boys in Los Angeles." Or actually, Howard didn't even call me. Uh, Dean, the, own, the man that owns uh, Kyle Mage, the man that owns Cocky Boys, actually was sending me a text message and telling me. And um, I wrote back and I was like, "You know, have you talked to Howard about me?" And he wrote back and said, "Yeah, it's a non-testing scene." So. They were going to put me with another positive model, so it was that, that's what that's what it, that's meant when it says that you know when I said it was a non-testing scene that there was no need to go get a test is because the other model said and knew he was positive, I knew I was positive, and said I was positive, so there was no need to do a test. But I I still wasn't comfortable enough with myself to you know I was still struggling to have sex with my own boyfriend. We were still together at that time, so. Um, I uh, I turned it down, but um, that's that's what I meant by that. Okay, no, because I was just a little bit um, confused on it. I just want to make it clear for the people listening: when you um, retired from, you know, doing that, you did that by your own choice. It wasn't something that you were forced to do or something that was recommended to you. It was your own conclusion, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, it, it, I, and okay. I did it because I thought that there, I thought that there was not going to be any room for me, and um, I'm sadly mistaken now, um, you know. But I made that choice on my own, uh, and I when I did when I first quit, I, I pushed it off on saying, "Oh, I've, you know, I have a boyfriend now, and I want to just live my life," and which was complete. You know, it was it was it wasn't true. I really really missed it. I I I, I love doing it. I just you know, the money is okay, you know, and money's fun, but you know, it's never guaranteed. I, I actually enjoy the camaraderie and the people I get to meet and hang out with. Like, you know, I just spent, you know, all day hanging out with Steve Cruz and his boyfriend, uh, Bruno Bond, and, and Shane Frost and his partner. So, you know, it's the people I get to meet and that I, I know now and I can say hi to, or when I travel to a city, I can text them and ask if they want to go for a drink or dinner or something. That's what it means more right. to me is, grow, is growing this family that I have now because these people mean more to me in my life than my parents because I don't have uh, I don't have someone to turn to, you know, if if I'm upset or I need a personal issue, I, I can no longer I don't have that safety net under me of a family. So these 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 people that I work with now have become my family because they they, they have my back and uh, and I I don't know where really, I don't I don't know where I would be. And it may sound stupid, but I don't know where I would be without porn <laughs> right now. Okay, so it is, where are we at? We are at 9.35. We've got about 25 minutes left at the show, and we're going to go ahead and open the um, open up the lines at 347-215-9442. So give okay. us a call, talk to, um, uh, talk to Ryan, ask all kinds of dirty questions. No, I'm kidding. 
Yes. I'll leave the dirty questions late till later. Um, <laughs> they, they can actually tweet him the dirty questions that Ryan knows best, okay? <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we can tweet dirty questions, yes. And But anyway, so um, so – so I want to start talking about what you're doing now. I mean, you're doing the you're doing so you you know, we talked about your career. You were in college and, and da, 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 da. now you are um doing some uh really cool stuff with uh talking about your own status and being open about it in South Florida. What are you doing now? Well, the main reason I want, I, I'm doing things now is because um, the uh, Broward County where I live, which is Fort Lauderdale, Wilton Manors, um, Deerfield Beach, Pompano, you know, all these, you know, gay destinations that people come to all the time, Boca, um, Broward County has the highest new HIV infection rate of any county in the United States. And uh, that's a, that's how the latest statistics that the CDC put out in, as of 2008 or 9. We have the highest HIV infection rate, um, new infections, I should say. Um, it's a little it's a little troubling for me. And um, the second highest bracket for HIV infections is 18 to 30. That's people my age. Um, and I, I'm really struggling to wonder why it's happening to youth, and it's you know. It's happening so much. So um, there's a great organization here, the HIV and AIDS resource group here in Broward County. is called Broward House. They are a great, great organization. Um, and what I really work with, I work with one of their programs, which is called, um, the, uh, it's called the Empowerment Project. It's actually a national, uh, nationwide program. It's in cities all over the country. Um, we like to call ourselves the M here. We've kind of like mainstreamed it. We have a really pretty cool logo. You guys should check it out. Um, we've called ourselves the M, kind of try to update things and bring it a little more modern. And uh, we just got a brand new five-year grant from the CDC because what we do is that we come together and we bring together guys between the ages of 18 and 30, uh, gay and bisexual men, and um, or questioning too, and we bring them together to where you can meet guys in a safe environment because we have we have a huge lounge where we you know, we have flat screens, you have game systems, you can come and watch movies play video games, hang out. You can do your homework. We have free Wi-Fi. Um, and we do weekly activities, daily activities, actually, where you can come and hang out and meet people, and it's not at a bar, and it's not getting cruised online. Um, and then our main goal and our main message, and you see it all around the place because we have condom baskets sitting around. We have um, art, like posters hanging on the wall with you know provocative pictures but a message with it. You know, one of my favorite ones that we did is it's these two guys making out and they're laying down. And um, the one above the guy on top says, you know, he hasn't asked for a condom. He must be positive. And the guy on the bottom is another comment we wrote that said he hasn't asked for a condom. He must be negative. So the whole thing about the empowerment project is empowering yourself to know your status. Um, and then we give you the things, we equip you with uh, free testing, um, free condoms, free lube. Um, any questions you ever have about things, we have a, we have a, a group we meet once a month and we talk very candidly and very uncut about um, what safe sex is, how to practice it, you know, what really is safe, what isn't safe. Um, you know, when you're hooking up with a guy and you tell him you want to fuck and he doesn't want to use a condom, how do you, you know, negotiate it? And people say, look, there's, you know, there's no negotiation, but... You can talk about things that you don't you don't have to fuck. You guys can make out. You can, you know, oral. You guys can jerk each other off. So that's what we, we do. We try to empower men to, one, know their status and empower themselves with knowing what is safe, what isn't safe, and how to confront um, their sexual partners and their friends about it. Um, is there a so website that we can pass out? Yeah. Um, I, our website is m dash online dot org so it's m online with a dash in between dot org um you can see the pictures of all you know all of our guys all the events we do things like that um and then i i'm pretty sure you can google like the empowerment project and find uh the home website of the parent company and then you know if anybody out there is that falls within our age cap 
if you want a place to go, you can see if there is a an M project in your area. That's awesome. Uh, talking about the age group, eighteen to thirty. Wow. Right. Well, we we do that because that's that's how the CDC breaks down the testing. I know. Um, it just makes not, me feel old. <laughs> are you kidding? I'm I'm, I'm turning I, I'm turning twenty five in two years. I feel old. Oh, oh God. Please. I haven't seen 25, and oh, golly, that's, oh, yeah. Too many years to even talk about. Um, you feel you feel like all in the family. Those were the days, right? Those were the days, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, I actually had Wait a, till you're 30. Uh, <laughs> guys, wait till you're only 40. Let's, let's, let's just put it there, okay? Well, the, the, the thing is, though, is, you know, the worst age, that I think, is when you turn – when you turn 30, because people give you that stigma when you turn 30 that you're old. So it's oh, like no. you're 60. Tw- it's like you're 60. So when you 25. turn 60. Oh, shit. 25 was the hardest year for me. 30 was well, easy. I, I'm I'm dreading 30 because I, I, I feel how it is. is When you turn 30, they treat you like you're 60. And then when you turn 60, you try to act like you're 30. <laughs> well, you know, it's, so, okay. This is going to be a little gay youth bashing here for a minute. All of you young gay men who are between the 18 and 30, guess what? You get to be 35. <laughs> and and think about that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it happens. You will turn 35. And then you'll look step back and go, oh, God. Well, I, I really actually I have my fingers crossed that Nostradamus is correct and the world will end in 2012 so that way I can die at 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not, no, let me bring a caller on the air. Oh, Eric, no. Do we have somebody? Seven. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Ronnie from Ohio. Hey, Ronnie. Go how back are you? Hello. Oh, how are you doing tonight? Great. You have a question? Yeah, I got a question for Ryan. Um, have you started Mad Jet, Ryan? Have I started what? Have you started Mad Jet? No, I haven't actually. Um. Uh, I'm 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 kind of it's it's a catch twenty two on how I was infected. So the the person that infected me was already on retroviral medication, and it's amazing. It's the wonders that medicine can do now. They can test you know your DNA and see these things. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 not on any meds. Um, my viral load has never been above two thousand. Um, my C four count, which uh, I'm sure some people out there listening know what I'm talking about. It's the white blood cell count. My white blood cell count has never been below. Um, 700. So it's been two years. Uh, knock on wood. I'm doing really good. So hopefully I, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that, you know, I won't have to take meds ever. You know, it's it's still, you know, a possibility, but I'm good. I'm, I'm a fortunate person that I don't have to. I was going to say, because you do know your state has one of the highest uh, rates of uh, waiting, the biggest waiting list in, in the United States for people to get meds. We, with um with with the ADAP there is um yeah there's there's roughly right now in Florida there's roughly about twenty one hundred people who are on the waiting yeah. list I think or or right. maybe twelve yeah. or twenty I don't remember the number um, I think it's eleven hundred ninety five is what it is yeah the problem is is that you know there was emergency ADAP funding but the government uh, and I, I'm not blaming the federal government I I blame Florida legislation one hundred percent um they said here's this money but you have to use it the way we say to use it. And yeah. Florida, the Florida state government said no. Um, so that's why we have the big ADAP problem down here. But the good people at um, AHF, which is the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, um, they do the closet, which is a thrift store. Um, and AHF, who I actually do my doctor through now, um, you know, they're really good. And if somebody is in dire need of their medication, um, nobody who desperately needs it, like somebody who is older or has had the virus for a long time, um, you know, nobody goes without their medication if they are in, if it's deathly needed, they they get it. Yeah, I was just wondering, because I know that I've been to Washington, D.C. several times over this, and it's kind of scary, and you're right about your age bracket. I've been infected for 30 years, so... I, I'm kind of like the very beginning. I started out at the beginning with this, and I knew what meds cost, and I was just wondering because you're talking about you're basically not really full-time employed right now, 
Oh, I am actually I am not employed at all. Everything I do is volunteer. Volunteer, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I don't want it to be a bummer, but when and if you do start on meds, do you have any idea what the cost is? Uh, well, I don't know what I would be. I I know already that I would be immune to a tripla, which is what everybody, I mean, every doctor pulls out of their back pocket. That's their go-to pill these days is a tripla. Um, you know, if they put me on, I, I'm assuming I would probably go on a protease inhibitor, like Truvada, maybe. Um, yeah. And if that it would probably it would probably cost me out of pocket around maybe one, maybe fifteen hundred a month. Yeah, so maybe. about seventeen eighteen hundred dollars a month total, right? Now. Right. And the thing is, so, though, yeah. you know, Ryan Ryan White right now pays for my doctor visits, which is every three like three months or six months now. Um, that's but uh, that's the only thing I need right now. But if if it did come to where I would need medication, I'm pretty sure I am the lowest priority right now as far as as far as uh, Ryan White and ADAP concerns are. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, and I, I know you're learning all this, but you're talking about really to when you find out you're positive, you should you know you've been debatable this for a long time about attacking and attacking aggressively. I and, did, and um, I, I consulted with my doctor, and the, the last doctor I had before I moved back to Florida, she was a pill Nazi. Um, yeah. But it, it was you know it was ultimately my decision. Um, I yeah. you know, I mean my my CD4 was I had great numbers. Um, you know, my viral load hasn't been bouncing around. It's actually been going down since I progressed. So, yeah. you know, I didn't feel, I don't feel unhealthy. You know, I mean, yeah, I suffer with the little stomach issues here and there, or I might get, you know, I don't want to get out of bed for a day, you know, but that that's it. And, um, you know, there's people out there who need it. I mean, I, I could I could be taking it and, you know, drop my viral load down to 40 or 20 or whatever the test is now from Tectable. I don't know. Um, right. You know, but then, but then I have to think about it, that I would be stuck on that medication. And once I, you know, once I start, you know, you you shouldn't stop is what I'm uh, I'm taught to say now is that you shouldn't stop. So I right. didn't want I didn't want to start. Well, I don't if think I, anybody if, wants to. No, I mean, and uh, I didn't you, I didn't I didn't feel I needed to. Um, yeah. The, the the new standard that the CDC goes by is if your CD4 level drops below 500, and mine had never dipped below seven, so I was good. Yeah. <laughs> Lonnie, thanks, thanks for calling. Yeah, I just want to wish you guys Yep, hey, no problem. Thank you for calling. We we got to keep moving forward here. Um <clears throat> so so you're not on meds. You haven't been on meds and um you probably, you know, have a while before you even need to start them. Absolutely. Right. So, um what are what are your plans? I mean, so tell me, what what did you go to college for? Um, I went to college uh, and I had my degree in sports marketing. Um, excuse me, sports management, and I had a minor in marketing. Um, there you go. I, yeah, I, I mean, I've been using it. I, I moved to Florida. I worked uh, I worked for the Marlins um, when I was in Tennessee. I was working there. I mean, I went back to Virginia. I was working for a hockey team, but I got back here, and I got back here at the end of hockey season. And then baseball season was halfway through, and then basketball season was already in their fall training, so every, or you know summer camps. So everybody had already filled all these positions. So I got back to Florida in the worst time, and in one of the worst economies for my position. So I've kind of been stuck in a rut. Um, but you know I'm, I'm I'm fine. I'm living off my savings and you know crashing on friends' houses. And uh, I, I I it may sound weird, but I I took a big boy pill the other day or a couple weeks ago in. I actually had to go use uh, the food bank because if not, I wouldn't have eaten. But um, I'm a, I'm, I interviewed. That's why I love AHF. Actually, I interviewed with him the other day. Um, so hopefully, in the next couple of weeks or so, I'll actually be working. And what I'll be doing is working with um, testing people and counseling people. Mm-hmm. So well, good. And you know, it, it, if you've got a resume, shoot it over. You can, I'll send you my my email and stuff and see, see what I. <laughs> You know, you never know who's hiring these days. I know. Um, so anybody who's listening, who's who's who might be hiring, who needs somebody <laughs> to, do, to 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 market or manage uh, a marketing department, or needs a new new sales reps or anything, I'm, or I do, in, I do inside sales. Who's pretty to look at. Yes, that Ryan. works too. Yeah. So I'm young. I'm young and pretty. I don't mind throwing that pretty. out there. Yeah, I was young and pretty once. Now I look like Phyllis Diller. 
<laughs> you know, Ryan, one of the things that we mentioned in the beginning of the show when we brought you on was that you were coming up on your two-year anniversary of being diagnosed with HIV. What mm-hmm. in the past two years have you learned, um, you know, just by going through this process of your diagnosis and now coming out publicly? Well, I mean, what I was talking about to Ron about, I'm pretty sure people who are, you know, my age, young, and newly diagnosed have no idea what a protease inhibitor is. Um, <laughs> so I've, 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 I've educated myself. I've learned, you know, you know, medications people are on, what it, why they're on it, what it does. Um, I've taken it upon myself to do that. I mean, I really have no need to know because I don't take anything, but I've done that. Um, what I learned is that uh, people are becoming really too complacent with our society, and because of what the government has done and said that, you know, HIV is now a chronic disease and um, and it's no longer, you know, the death sentence it was in the, the 80s and it's no longer the, uh, you know, I mean, still it's toned down in 95. You know, it's when they said it was only a, it was a chronic and manageable disease. But still people, I think people are, are too complacent with it and they're like, oh, well, you know, if it happens, I could just take medicine. <laughs> um that's what I've learned, and that uh, uh, some people, even gay people, are very um, scared of it. You know, I've had people who are older than me who, you know, we've we've talked about hanging out and stuff like that, and they always throw it out there when they want to take it farther, and then I say, oh, by the way, and they're like, oh, never mind. You know, and it's like, I, I shouldn't really feel bad because that's actually how I want <laughs> When I, you right. know, when I was negative. Um, yeah, that's exactly the thing that we talked about. I don't, is, you know, I don't take it to heart. What? I don't take it to heart. It doesn't bug me. Um, you know, when someone tells them, you know, that's your prerogative. I mean, I play safe, but, you know, it's it's your choice, your decision, and I'm fine with that. So, um, but, you know, when I meet guys who are like, you know, they don't even want to, I mean, I've, I've had somebody online, when I've told them, they told me that, you know, I was going to, die of AIDS and go to hell and I'm a disgusting person. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. Sorry. Have a good day. <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh, but yikes. No, I laugh too. You know, it, it, these and those are the same people that are... They're the, they're the same ones that go to the bathhouse and just throw their legs in the sling all night. Exactly. <laughs> Do they still have bathhouses? Oh, we have the Club Fort Lauderdale. Oh. Okay. I've never uh-huh. been. The, I want to go. I, I really want to go just like sit and watch, but I'm afraid to like kick me out just from sitting and perving. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, everybody's allowed to sit and perv. That's what they're for. Uh, I know, but I want to. I just want to go see what it's like. You know. You've never been. Without missing much. <laughs> oh please. <laughs> it depends on the ones you go to. I used to go to um, Hollywood Spa all the time. Anyway, <laughs> when I lived in Los Angeles and, and grew up there. That I can remember being 16, passing myself off as 18. and got to get in. Look at you. I know. Oh, God, I looked <laughs> old then. Um, so, 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 uh, I had a question, and it just went out of my head. Um, I think we were talking about my, um, we were talking about advocacy. Um, yeah. What do you want to do with your advocacy? I mean, you, you're. You're you're working with a nonprofit now, but what about in the in the next year or two years? Um, I, somebody that I really greatly admire and now have I I've put him on a pedestal um, to me and somebody I look to and you know I just recently reached out to him on Twitter and you know we've had like two tweets back and forth you know but um I uh. Aiden Shaw is somebody I, you know, I really admire. I mean, my life isn't, you know, exactly like his, aside from the porn and uh, the occasional, you know, somebody calling me up for hire one night. But that was, I, I never got it. I'm not into drugs or anything. Um, my only drug is a bottle of vodka. <laughs> um, you know, so I really, I, I, I emulate him right now. I'm, I'm reading his books, um, his biographies, and even his fiction. Um, just so good, you know, I, I, yeah, I really, I really do. I admire. I'm actually don't. Oh, maybe he'll hear this, but I'm reading his book, Wasted, and uh, 
if you don't read anything of his ever, just read the second chapter of Wasted. Oh, my God, I got off to it like three times. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually had a uh, show on uh, the show probably a little over a year ago, and he came on and talked about um, he had a book coming out and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, you know to see somebody like that who, who's out there and not afraid to show his, his status publicly, I think it, it's great for, you know, people like you who are, you know, into the industry and not, you know, as, as, as huge as him to see somebody that you can still do what you're doing and be HIV positive and be public about it. You know, and I, I had a chance to talk to Steve Cruz and Bruno Bond tonight, and, um, you know, they said they, they wanted to reach out to me when it first happened, when I first came out with it, but they didn't want to seem like they were piggybacking on the press. Um, right. And uh, he's like, you know, he's like, if you ever need anything, he's like, you know, we got we, we have your back if you need anything. Um, and that, you know, he, he asked me why I really did it, and I said, you know, and why I'm doing things now. And it's like I said before, that, um, you know, people can put their, you know, do PSAs all they want, but I think that it would send a stronger message about the importance of safer sex. If somebody can look at somebody who is HIV positive and having safe sex on screen, um, you know, you may not know the status of the other person that I'm working with, um, but you can look at me and see that, and that image can be, I think, better than any PSA anybody can ever put out. When you see someone who's HIV positive, who's healthy, and they're doing things the right way. That right. that can be a stronger message, and so that's my my goal on camera and off camera. My my what I'm striving for, and I see myself in a few years is um, hopefully I'll get this uh, support group I have in my back pocket up and running here in Fort Lauderdale. There's no support group for HIV positive youth, and there's a ton here. I know it. Um, wow. I think our the, the last they said in Wilton Manors in Fort, the Wilton Manors Fort Lauderdale area. Um, uh, the as per their statistics, they've given us a number where about 75% of the population is probably infected. Um, so I just want to I want to reach out and let people know that that you know that what I went through was feeling so alone, and then you know being my family wants nothing to do with me anymore. That you know that it's okay. They're not alone, and there's people here to help them. At least it's not people that I'm here. Um, that's my goal. You know, I've had phone calls from people because my, you know, my phone number is on my Facebook. You know, if I add you, you know, um, I've had phone calls from kids, you know, who like literally like a 16 year old kid who read my interview and then uh, saw me on Facebook and he wanted to call and talk to somebody. You know, so that that's what I want to do. I want to hopefully branch out, um, get into a you know leadership position or a higher position with an HIV or AIDS organization to where I can use um, my status as a, as a, as a figure and my status as, you know, my health to, to help and better people. Well, I think that's amazing. And I, I think, you know, just sharing your story like you did here tonight is, is, you know, a huge step in, in towards that direction. So I applaud you. And I think when you get that support group up and running, let us know, come back on. We'd be more than happy to let people, you know, in our audience know um, down in Florida uh, that, you know, that you had that going on. You know, we really appreciate you coming coming out, listening to me, calling in tonight and speaking with us this evening, Ryan. Um, you know, we learn a lot, and, and we're definitely left inspired. Just well, I'm glad. I mean, I, I appreciate you at least letting me be uh, your fill-in. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> yes, you guys were desperate enough to have me on. See, so yes, I love you guys for being desperate. <laughs> oh, oh, you have no idea how desperate we are. <laughs> I think well, that Hollywood the Hollywood Bob might be calling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you enjoy the rest of your night, and um, we hope to talk to you soon. Most of them, guys. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. You've been a great, great. Thanks. And remember, folks, you can find more information on the radio show at POSIM.com, more information on Jeremy at PositivelySpeaking.com, and follow our guest, Ryan Dixon, on Twitter at RyanKnowsBest. Um, from all of us here, we love you. <laughs> it was a great Aww. show. It was a great show. I thought he was he was just swell. You know, he just he was a really nice kid. Yeah, totally came nice. up. Nice you know. 
Awesome. You know, golly, nice kid. And, so, and do you realize that he was born in the 80s? Oh, God. Oh, my God. It was nice to not be the youngest person on the show for once. So, anyway, <laughs> next week uh, we're going to be speaking with um, a lady named Janine Vignola, and she's going to share her personal story of living with HIV. So join us next Sunday for your dose of hope. Jeremy, have a great night. You too, sir. Have a great week. Thanks. All right, All everyone. Right. See you we'll next talk week. To everybody. Okay, bye.